What I remember about 1981 was it was epitomized by the film with Kurt Russell, Escape from New York. Because if you had the wherewithal, you were getting the hell out of here as quick as you can. What happens to a dreams deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun? Or does it explode? I just washed up on the Lower East Side, which is what people used to do. People didn't even know why they were here. Most of us didn't fit into our families, didn't fit into schools, didn't fit into our towns, and we just had to go. Most of the jobs that people like me would get were either working in massage places or working in whorehouses. I basically did that to make money to fund my artwork. Before I came to New York City, I was one of them church-going girls. My sister, she was healthy-looking like me, and all of a sudden, my sister started losing weight. I found out she was in the bathroom doing some crap. Oh, that's how you losing weight? So I was like, go get me some. And there was a lot of crime, a lot of violence that I wanted to get away from, so I said, I'm going to open up a store and just sell fur coats. The typical middle-class people in the neighborhood didn't accept me because they knew about my street life. So I catered to all the underworld. Organized crime and corruption, that was a big thing back then. I said, you mind your business, you did what you had to do, and nobody stood in your way. People always trying to sell you stolen merchandise. Every day they come over, you know, you want to buy a radio, tires, a bumper. This was all day long and they never stopped. Back then, I had no dreams, I had nightmares. I was a night manager of Mickey D's in the Bronx. I had crime problems in the restaurant. I had to go over the counter and deal with them individually. I was getting rheumatism, arthritis from dialing 911. It was a joke. And instead, I had cops coming in trying to scam me for free food. I liked the, the bleakness because you could dream in that, you know? You could dream new things. The Lower East Side was like a marketplace. All the sidewalks were covered with blankets and people were selling things like broken light bulbs. <laughs> You'd like to stand there and going, America as a third world country. The city of New York, the economic engine of the world was on the cusp of going chapter 11 bankrupt. All the services that we take for granted now were nil. They weren't there because they had to be cut back. It was lawless. <laughs> Violence was an everyday affair. <laughs> Violence was something that every day you had to be in the lookout. I was about 16. I had a friend of mine. He was 18. He worked on a, a milk truck. He asked me if I wanted to go to work with him. So he picks me up. We get in the truck. There's a gun there. I said, what are you doing with that? He says, protection. Broomsticks cut down, crowbars. People carry things. When people came to New York, you were immediately schooled by other people. So you knew how to avoid violence. But sometimes you're just in the wrong place at the wrong time. I had the workers in the back of the store. We're all working, right? And a customer comes in, and he's a major drug dealer. He goes out the store and these guys attempt to kidnap him. And he refuses to go and they beat him with pistols all in front of the store, you know? 
So the challenge is, what do you do at that moment? Do you call the police or do you mind your business? And I chose to mind my business. A week later, they attempted to kidnap me. And I was resisted, and they shot me in the back and the bullets in the base of my neck. It was at this moment I decided, you know, you can't be in it and not of it. Anarchy prevailed in the streets of New York City because the cops were not doing their job. The cops, if you was Latin or you was American Negro, and they saw you, you had a problem. Citizens were forced to fend for themselves. So in reality, it was the people who finally decided enough is enough. I used to see these guys in the red berets and the red jackets, you know, patrolling the neighborhood, hearing that they were taking back the streets and the uh, community. And so I finally realized, you know, it was time to do something, make a difference. Even though the atmosphere was very violent and chaotic and dark and grim and you know, there was this just incredible falling apart element that was in everyday life. There was also a, an incredible kind of positivity. There's something very important about being in a culture of authenticity. Times keep on changing. But, you know, for those that grew up in those years, they were the good old times. Was it tough? Yeah, it was tough. I refuse to give up. It's the challenge. I, I can't live without a challenge. I need oh yeah moments. Oh yeah, you think you're gonna get away? That's what I need. That's the kind of moments that I fight. I fight hard against. You know. People from all over the world are attracted to New York City because it's got the best of the best and the worst of the worst. My uncle Herman used to say, "New York, New York, so bad they had to name it twice." 